In this Guided Talks, Robert talks to Mike Lander. Mike is a successful entrepreneur and expert negotiator with a proven track record of buying, growing and selling businesses for seven-figure sums. He's raised over six and a half million of acquisition growth capital in his career and grown companies to over 20 million revenue. Mike has a uniquely valuable perspective on negotiating commercial deals, having worked on both sides of the table as a procurement director and an entrepreneur. He launched Pascari in 2010 and leveraged his specialist knowledge and expert negotiating hundreds of deals worth over 400 million in total to empower leaders and sales teams to negotiate more profitable deals, especially when procurement is involved. Robert and Mike discuss dealing with procurement, when do we see procurement, when is the sweet spot and how it's different from dealing with the owner-founder plus much more. Hello and welcome to the Guider Talks. Uh, absolutely delighted today to have with me Mike Land from Piscari. Hello, Mike. Hey, Robert. How are you? Uh, absolutely fantastic. So without further ado, Mike, tell us, uh, what are you known for? What do people know you for? So I work with agencies around helping them negotiate better deals with their clients, especially when they meet these horrible people called procurement. Procurement, you said, you said the word already. Ah, I thought that we were doing. I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. We were doing so well, and then you mentioned procurement. Ah, they are the devil's spawn. I hope there's no procurement people listening, and none of the procurement people I'm seeing in the next few months. But um, yeah, okay. So procurement. So uh, let's just go straight into it. So, what's the backstory with you ending up discussing? Procurement, where does that come from? Talk, tell, us, tell us how you end up talking to us, uh, a community of digital agency owners, about procurement. So a very, very brief kind of backstory on me, um, kind of long-term consultant. So I was trained by the likes of McKinsey, KPMG, PwC as a management consultant back in the day. Um, then borrowed, uh, back in the day when you could, borrowed about three and a half million pound from Bank of Scotland to buy a consultancy company. Um, with a bit of my own money, uh, and then grew that consultancy company up. And so kind of entrepreneurial journey started around about kind of like 2000. And what happened was along that kind of journey, I ended up starting a uh, procurement consultancy with a friend of mine. And the proposition was very simple. We would work with companies um, as a procurement, an outsourced procurement function. So we would act as their procurement people, and we go out and we buy goods and services for them. And they were often private equity backed. So bigger companies that had a reasonable cost base and our job was to go in and improve the bottom line. And a very simple thing, the reason that we targeted private equity as these procurement people was when we went in, if we could generate a million pound of cost savings for a company, it would generate 10 to 15 million pound of value for the investor because they sell for X times EBITDA. Yeah, got it. So it's a very simple kind of value proposition. And we started doing that. So scenario is we were the buyers. We'd go into a company and we would act as the buyers. And of course, a lot of spend is in marketing. So we spent, or I spent many years being a buyer, a procurement director, uh, buying goods and services, particularly around marketing agencies. So I'm the person you'd meet, Robert, when we're doing a deal. 
And what I learned was, was that I've got a certain style. I'm a very rational person, numerate. Um, I'm a trained negotiator. And I got pretty good at negotiating deals with agencies and all sorts of other providers as well. And that went on for many, many years. And then I ended up selling that business. And what I do now is I've got a portfolio. So I do a number of things in my life. Um, but the prime thing that I spend four and a half days uh, of my week doing is I now work with agencies to unlock the kind of the, the backstage pass to how do procurement work? What do they want? And how do you negotiate with them? Because negotiation is a trained skill far more than it is a intuitive art. And that's how I got into it. Okay, okay. So there will be people watching, listening, who have never encountered procurement because mm -hmm. they've worked with the local business community or local businesses and and the idea of procurement and master service level agreements and kind of all that stuff hasn't happened because they've they've gone to work with i don't know a factory that's got 100 people and they yeah. talk to the boss or the head of marketing the deal's done exactly shake hands job job's done so for those who are truly green <laughs> about about procurement is everything i say about procurement people true <laughs> <laughs> So two things. Um, when do you meet procurement people? So it's a really great entree into that, which is if you looked at, and this is a bit of a proxy, so it's a kind of a bit of a broad brush, but um, when a company gets to about probably uh, 50 million plus, 100 million of turnover, yeah? So when there are 100 million of turnover, the cost base is reasonably big. So between the kind of the direct goods and services, things that affect delivery, and the indirect stuff, all the overhead stuff, there's probably third-party costs of, I don't know, pick a number, six, seven million pound. Well, if you get 10% saving on that, that's quite a lot of money. So you tend to meet people like me when companies get above 50 million turnover, number one. Number two, is everything you say about procurement true, Robert? Well, I don't know everything that you say. However, from the conversations we've had, I think... Procurement's moved a long way from where it was. There are far more evolved procurement buyers now than there were 10 years ago. And I see that trend definitely improving. That procurement used to be, it's just about savings, bang the table, pretty adversarial negotiation, very unpleasant conversations. Um, and it was kind of, you do the deal my way or we don't do a deal at all. Now, I would say much more Values talked about a lot more. There's quite a lot of stuff and nonsense talked about value. Um, but procurement are starting to think more about how do you compare agencies? <clears throat> so you'll have been through this yourself, Robert. The RFP turns up on your desk. So you've been asked to bid for something. And the RFP's got all sorts of stuff in it about scope and about objectives and all sorts of stuff. And then they'll also say, by the way, there's a rate card we'd like to fill in. Could you just fill it in for us? Don't change it, whatever you do. Just fill it in. And the agencies reluctantly comply. And it's normally what kind of role, what kind of grade, what's the hourly rate, 
how many hours are you going to be spending on this? Well, of course, what procurement are doing is they're trying to compare apples with apples. And the, what the realisation that marketing procurement are coming to, which has taken some time, I would say, is how on earth are you going to compare marketing agencies delivering creative campaigns that deliver sales uplift on a, you're going to compare them on an hourly rate basis. So you're going to buy on activity, but you're trying to deliver outcomes and outputs. It's bonkers. But the human mind gets trapped into this. If you give me a spreadsheet and I'm a rationalist and you allow me to compare, I'll compare. So a simple tip for some of your watchers and, uh, and listeners is, um, it's, this is a hard thing to do, but I would say personally, that if you don't send that rate card analyzed or that rate card back, you're probably going to get kicked out of the process. So you have to take a view. I'd recommend um, don't send the spreadsheet back, whatever you do. Take a PDF of the absolute minimum that you can by hiding columns and rows and give them a rate card. Because another tip is in procurement, we have to have a rate card for all service providers. Because our bosses say, well, what's the day rate? In case we need to do some marginal work, which requires a bit of day rate activity. So we have to have some kind of day rate. It, it, and it's also, it's behavioural. It's that people have got so used to day rates. I mean, it's such a bad, bad, bad way of buying anything. But it's a mindset. It's a bad way of selling anything, never mind buying. bad way of selling. It's a bad way of buying. It's just bad. I'm reading a very good book by an academic on... Um, the kind of the tyranny of hourly based pricing um, and it, it, it's just a bad model but you need to provide it or else they're going to go well you're, you don't comply so you're out but, but, but we, things to do to be way, fair I mean when you or I buy anything whether it be whether it be someone to paint the windows at home or <laughs> or a gardener <laughs> or or anything you're, you're you're grappling all the time for I don't get I just want to get a sense of whether this is 15 or 20 pound an hour. I just want to get a sense of, oh, you're a consultant. I just want to get a sense of whether it's 1,500 or 3,000 pounds a day. So, yeah. and, and part of that is so that I know whether I'm dealing with a BMW or a, or a Vauxhall. And, yes. And, and part of it's kind of so that we don't waste any time. You know, in other words, if I was, if I, if my budget is only 10,000 pounds and you turn out to be a 6,000 pound a day consultant, well, you're, you're the wrong yeah. person, which is fine. I mean, like, yeah. I'd rather have that conversation now than later. Exactly right. So, so there is, I mean, th there is a big default uh, of, 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 of day rates. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a, in America, they call it this hardball selling thing, which is you just, you just go straight in and say, what, tell me what your day rate, yeah. my day rate's 12,000 pounds a day. Whoa, that's too big for me. Excellent. Fine. Cause now I can go and find someone who doesn't want to pay 12,000 pounds a day. And I think, because they're going to see £120,000 of value off the back of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So, and anyhow, back, back, back to where you were. Sorry to interrupt. It's just... <laughs> so what happens is, is that the, the skill is give procurement what they need, which is some kind of rate card, but price your job, obviously, around. This is a fixed price job. We understand your outcomes that you're aiming for or your outputs that you want us to deliver. And we know we can hit and exceed your expectations within this fixed price envelope. We will not be reporting how many hours each person's worked on for that job. 
it's a fixed price piece of work. But that's the that's the the mindset of the builder, isn't it? That you you win the job and then you make the money on the variances. <laughs> yeah. So you um, didn't mention you wanted a front door to the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you wanted windows, really? <laughs> so um, this is another great topic around uh, variation management, agencies and variation management and over-servicing. What happens, and I would say in 95% of agencies that I've talked to, but I talk to a lot of agencies, there's quite a few in the 5%, uh, like you do, um, 95% do not do variation control. So what happens is they sell a fixed price job. And you're right, ideally, every bit of work outside of the defined scope in the SOW, in the contract, you would charge a variable rate for. You've asked for something extra, another campaign. Well, a campaign price is £8,000. So we're going to invoice you for £8,000. What happens is the marketing person says, that was a great campaign we did. Could you do it in Italian for us? And the agency goes, well, we have got an Italian speaker and we might be able to do it. And I say, oh, that's great. Thanks. Do it as a favour for me. I'll make sure you're okay later on. They do the work. No invoice goes in. No one's charged. A marketing person changes. New person turns up and says, I see that you've done all this work and you do lots of foreign languages free of charge. So what I'd like now is Spanish, German, and um, Austrian, please. And the poor account manager just sat there going, oh my God, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> so variation control is very important because it educates the client about there's an audit trail. We're happy to do the work, delighted to do the work, but it's not free. And then you get the opportunity to say, this one will do free of charge. The variation order goes in at a price of zero.